We start today with the continued chaos in the Republican Party. Still no Speaker of the House after yet another vote. Jim Jordan has lost and reports of other Republican members of the House coming to his office and saying it's not going to be you, Jim. It's simply not going to be you. Remember that this all started when um, a small number, eight members of the Republican Party, which is in the majority in the House of Representatives, decided they didn't want Kevin McCarthy as speaker anymore. Uh, they joined Democrats in a vote to remove him. Since then, there have been a number of different directions that this path has taken. One was the direction of Steve Scalise, although Scalise then ultimately said, I'm removing myself for consideration. Then Jim Jordan came to the forefront, never a guy to shy away from the possibility of more access to power and more media appearances and a first vote and a second vote and a third vote saw Republicans reject Jim Jordan each time by more votes. He actually got further from being made Speaker of the House with each vote. On the Democratic side, Democrats are extraordinarily united. They want Democrat Hakeem Jeffries to be Speaker of the House. I think he would be a great choice, a, a very, um, a very much the sort of Democrat that is striking the right tone when it comes to how these outrageous radical Republicans who abandon policy completely should be dealt with. Of course, Democrats are in the minority. So unless somehow Republicans get involved in helping Hakeem Jeffries, he also won't be the Speaker of the House. So where are we now in a new week? Well, where we are, as Axios reports, is that there are now nine people, nine people running for Speaker of the House for the Republicans. Those nine members are Tom Emmer, Mike Johnson, Kevin Hearn, Byron Donalds, Pete Sessions, Jack Bergman, Austin Scott, Daniel Muser and Gary Palmer. Of these, I think I would say the most well-known ones are Tom Emmer, Byron Donalds and Pete Sessions. Donalds has been a very public supporter of Trump and has uh, very proudly and defiantly, bravely made a fool out of himself at a number of different congressional hearing, hearings. Pete Sessions has just been around a long time, so he's relatively well known. And then Tom Emmer has been making a number of not particularly positive media appearances recently. Um, candidates. So what is going to happen now? There is now going to be a process today. It may be going on right now as, as today's episode is released where these nine individuals are going to get two minute speeches followed by a 90 minute Q&A and then one minute closing speeches, according to someone familiar with how Republicans are going to handle this. In the previous forums, each candidate got 30 minutes to lay out their case. Um, a senior Republican lawmaker said to Axios, this is interesting. I think there's obviously two tiers of candidates. I'm sure everybody will say the same thing. It seems to me it's Emmer, Johnson, her Donald's race till the end. Uh, I'm not really sure who has a leg up on any of that because everybody's got different factions and issues. So we will see. Um, there are people skeptical of the Republican conference's ability to unify behind the next nominee, which is, of course, what they need to do when you have nine people and somebody needs to get 217 votes. Um, it's a real problem if you have this number of people splitting the vote. So a number of different takeaways here. First and foremost, there are lots of Republican voters who could not care less about this. Why don't they care? Number one, they think when government doesn't do stuff, it's good. 
So the fact that the House of Representatives is all but shut down when it comes to the normal sorts of work that they would do for a lot of right wingers, that's not a problem. They want to eliminate tasks for government. They want government doing as little as possible. It's part of their worldview. It's part of their ideology. So they're not particularly concerned. Number two, it reminds us of the contrast, which we're going to see the other side of the contrast in a moment, which is fascinating on the Joe Biden side. It reminds us of the notable contrast right now between the unity and um, uh, uh, pragmatic victories on the Democratic side uh, under Joe Biden and with a united Democratic Party. And on the other side, a Republican Party that's about to nominate a guy who's been indicted four times to be their presidential nominee who kicked out their own speaker and have now spent three plus weeks figuring out who's going to replace that speaker. And to be honest, it's not looking like they're that close to doing it. And also some of the people that have garnered votes like Jim Jordan should be kicked out of the House of Representatives, never mind being made speaker of the House. So the contrast could not be more clear. And thirdly, really another loss for the MAGA movement in the sense that, yes, the MAGA movement managed to kick out Kevin McCarthy, a guy they never particularly liked from the beginning because he was not as overtly crazy as they are, mildly willing to to, to work with Democrats on uncontroversial things. He had to get punished for that. They kicked him out. But now, particularly with Trump's strong endorsement of Jim Jordan, even saying after the first failed vote for Jordan, I believe he will soon be Speaker of the House. And then he failed a second vote and then he failed a third vote. And now he's no longer in the running. It is also a reminder that while these eight members of the House were able to get McCarthy out, they are not strong enough to get the entire party uh, unified behind anybody. And even Trump's full throated endorsement multiple times is not enough to get Jim Jordan the speakership. So on the one hand, it seems as though Republican elected officials are increasingly indifferent to what Donald Trump wants. On the other hand, Trump has as much support from the Republican electorate as he has ever had in this primary, approaching 60 percent. We'll get to that later in the show, a divide between Republican elected officials and Republican voters which we will talk about again a little bit later in the show. At the end of last week, President Joe Biden addressed the nation and the world in prime time about what's going on with Hamas and Israel, about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, and more generally, what is going on with the role of the United States in the world as a, as he sees it, defender of democracy. This speech was actually so good by the standards we have for how these speeches go. The speech was so good that even on Fox News, they praised Joe Biden and it was a good speech. Now, at it, you know, I got a bunch of these emails about Biden doesn't even know what's going on sort of sort of thing. I will remind people Joe Biden is 80 years old and he has struggled with a stutter his entire life. So you really have to understand that we're listening to the message Joe Biden is giving us. Uh, and when you listen to that message, you didn't have to like it, but it was coherent. It was strong. It made sense if you understand the foreign policy of Joe Biden. And so we go to Fox News in the moments after the speech. Here are Brett Baer and Martha McCallum 
interviewing Brit Hume. This is not the attitude of Fox News hosts typically after a Democratic president gives a speech. Let's take a listen to this. This is the president's second Oval Office address. Your overall thoughts about him tonight? Oh, and I think it may be remembered as one of the best, if not the best, speeches of his presidency. He was firm, he was unequivocal, he was strong, as he has been, particularly uh, in recent days when he was before he went to Israel and while he was over there. I was struck by the fact that he spent as much time as he did on Ukraine, and I think it was a good thing that he did because the aid for Ukraine uh, package that he's talking about and further aid to Ukraine beyond that is in jeopardy, and I think that he was hampered a little bit in that effort by the fact that he dare not really mention the best reason. I mean, he mentioned, broadly speaking, the best reason for sticking with it in Ukraine, which is that what would the rest of the world and its evildoers think if we pulled out of there? because that comes on the heels of his having pulled out of Afghanistan, which arguably emboldened uh, all of the uh, all of our adversaries around the world, uh, particularly Vladimir Putin. Um, he didn't make that. He, he can't really make that case and you wouldn't expect him to. But he made a strong case for it nonetheless. And I think it's I think it's it's important that he did. And also, of course, you're right, Brett, to wonder whether as Republicans will, there'll be a follow up to his statement about holding Iran accountable. But at least he talked about Iran. He had been loath to do so in his remarks regarding this Israel atrocities uh, since they happened. But tonight, there it was. So uh, on two important counts, I think he did, did remarkably well and was quite strong, quite firm. Remarkably well, quite strong and quite firm. Not the sort of review you expect from Fox News of a president, a Democratic president's speech. Now, I generally agree that it was quite a good speech. There was an exception. There was a moment where Joe Biden talked about how lots of American companies are basically like making the bullets that are being sent over there. It's for I, I, I get the point, which is, listen, if, if these are causes worth supporting, if it's a, a cause worth supporting to support Ukraine's defense against the invasion by Russia, then isn't it better if it also provides American jobs by virtue of the U.S. manufacturing the bullets and the ordnance and you know whatever else? Uh, it's a little too military industrial complexy for me. It's sort of like, hey, we're sending over our, our rockets painted in the gay pride flag for them to use sort of thing. It's, a, it's like, OK, is this actually what we want when it comes to that that sort of imagery? But regardless, overall, it was a good speech. I do think it was extremely smart and accurate for Joe Biden to even though the impetus for the speech was the terrorist attack by Hamas in Israel. I think it made sense to talk about Ukraine, particularly because there is a sort of fatigue taking place among some in the American public about the support for Ukraine. And that makes sense. It's understandable that there is fatigue. I do think it's important not to miss the reality that it's an extraordinarily good deal to support Ukraine in the way that the U.S. is supporting Ukraine. It's a tiny sliver of a slice of the military budget. It's preventing boots on the ground. And if Russia were to successfully steamroll Ukraine, it is almost certain that those desires would then extend beyond Ukraine. And it might invariably force American boots on the ground to get over there, which I don't want. I don't want the U.S. getting involved in that way. So I think it was intelligent for Biden to wrap this all together. As as always, 
the sort of nationalistic, patriotic imagery and the stuff about the bullets and the bombs or whatever. Not my thing at all as a guy who's extremely skeptical of the military industrial complex. But I agree with Fox News. It was quite a good speech. There is now audio of a billionaire admitting that Donald Trump did indeed share with him in private secret information. This is an incredible, incredible revelation. Uh, This is from Rolling Stone. Billionaire brags about Trump sharing secret information with him. This is from 60 Minutes Australia. It involves multi-billionaire Anthony Pratt. Um, And the backstory is as follows. Two weeks ago, media reported Trump reportedly revealed information about U.S. nuclear submarine capabilities to Australian billionaire Anthony Pratt. Yesterday, 60 Minutes Australia played recordings of secret tapes where Pratt disclosed other non-public information Trump shared with him, including information about U.S. military operations in Iraq, as well as Trump's conversations with the presidents of Iraq and Ukraine. Here's the introduction from 60 Minutes, and then we'll listen to some of that audio tape. It's hardly an insult to say Donald Trump has a big mouth. It's a truth even his most ardent supporters acknowledge. For years, what he said has often caused trouble. Two weeks ago, US media accused the former president of leaking classified information about America's submarine fleet to Australian billionaire Anthony Pratt. Trump denies any secrets were disclosed. But tonight we have our own leak. Right. In this joint investigation with the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, 60 Minutes has obtained audio recordings of Anthony Pratt. They reveal the businessman's extraordinary dealings with Trump and a whole lot more. So let's now go to some of this audio. It is extraordinarily remarkable stuff. And of course, if what he is saying is true, it's amazing that Trump just talks about this stuff so openly. It is yet another national security risk of having Trump in the Oval Office. Conversation he had with the president in late 2019, shortly after the commander in chief had ordered a military strike against Iraq. I hadn't even heard it. It hadn't even been on the news. He said, I just bombed Iraq today. According to Pratt, even after that, Trump wouldn't be quiet. He went on to repeat details of the private phone call he just had with a furious Iraqi leader. He said, I just bombed Iraq today. And the president of Iraq called me up and said, you just leveled my city. And he said, and I said to him, OK, what are you going to do about it? Are you surprised that Anthony Pratt got such access to President Trump? I think Trump was trying to impress him. Well, you may be a billionaire, but I'm a multi-billionaire. And besides, I'm president and I know things that you don't. I do think that's very typical Trump behavior. Donald- Indeed. Incredible incredible that Trump is allegedly going around talking about this stuff. Now, as always, when we get these stories, there are those who say, oh, this isn't believable. You're hearing it secondhand. This is nothing Trump would do, except it's exactly what we know Trump would do. We now have the audio recording where I believe it was at Bedminster. Trump is shaking around papers and saying this is secret stuff. You know, I'm not really supposed to be showing you this. It's the exact same theme theme especially when we talk about Anthony Pratt, not a guy who would be incentivized to lie, particularly on these audio tapes. So as usual, you would think that conservative voices who hold national security and military activity as the most sacred and private and sensitive thing 
would be absolutely blasting Trump for having allegedly shared this information, but just silence, literally silence from them. And if there's a counterfactual thought experiment that is useful here, just imagine for a second that we found out, oh, you know what? Barack Obama was hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein or Barack Obama was hanging out with George Soros and he mentioned some confidential military operations that were not yet public at that time. Just imagine, imagine it would be not days, not weeks. It would be months, if not years of scandal, a dozen congressional hearings like they did to Hillary over Benghazi. But here, I guess this isn't the real story. The real story is probably, I don't know, Hunter Biden's laptop or something along those lines. As I said before, it will take years to learn the full scope of what happened, and it is taking years and we are still learning more almost every single week. We'll be right back. I'm on camera every day, so I do what I can to control my out of control hair. Many of you have seen what it looks like uh, without any product, and it's a very, very ugly situation. As you know, one of our sponsors today is Fix Your Lid. They make super quality hair products for men. They've got the gels, the pomades, the fibers, forming creams. Fix Your Lid has everything you need to keep your hair under control so you can look your best. Fix Your Lid is carried in a ton of barber shops across the country because it's a product that professionals trust. I've always had amazing results with the Fix Your Lid fiber product. When the company was founded, they had two guiding principles. The first is be 100% made in the USA. That includes not just manufacturing, but all of the ingredients as well. Second was to sell barbershop quality products at a reasonable price without animal cruelty. Since their founding, Fix Your Lid is proud to say they have never wavered in those principles, even when supply chains were at their worst. You will get 25% off when you go to fixyourlid.com and use the code PACMAN. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. If you've been thinking about getting a new mattress, Helix Sleep is where I would start. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now. I recommend Helix to everyone, which is why I wanted them as a sponsor. If you don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded number one mattress by both GQ and Wired magazine. And one of the things that makes Helix unique is their sleep quiz. I didn't really know what kind of mattress would be best for me. But you do this short sleep quiz. You answer questions about your body type and your preferences, what position you like to sleep in. And Helix will match you with the perfect mattress for you. So you know you're actually getting something tailored to your needs instead of going in blind like most people do. I got my Helix mattress designed to stay cool at night since I hate getting hot while I sleep. 
Shipping is always free. You get 100 nights to decide whether you like it. My audience gets a huge 20% discount off of all orders, plus two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman and enter code helixpartner20 at checkout. That's helixsleep.com slash Pacman. Then use code helixpartner20 to get 20% off and two free pillows. The info is in the podcast notes. I'll briefly remind you that, of course, our program is primarily funded by folks in the audience, people who listen to the podcast, people who watch a YouTube clip here and there. I invite you to get yourself a membership at joinpacman.com. It's really cut and dry. If you like the show and become a member, we'll give you more show. We'll give you an extra show every day called the bonus show. We'll give you commercial free feeds of our show. All of these great things. It's super cheap. It's crazy not to do it how, based on how cheap it is. That's what I'm hearing out on the street anyway. You can use the coupon code four years for indictments to get yourself a discount at joinpacman.com. A judge is now threatening Donald Trump with jail for violating one of the gag orders against him and is also fining Donald Trump. Is this getting real? Finally, let's discuss NBC News reports. Judge threatens to imprison Trump for violating gag order in the New York fraud trial. Judge Arthur Engeron said in a filing Friday, the court is fining Trump five thousand dollars for leaving up, quote, an untrue and disparaging post about my clerk on his campaign website. You may recall that Donald Trump was attacking attacking the clerk in Judge Engeron's court, which is pretty depraved. Um, He also floated the idea of jailing Trump for defying a partial gag order, requiring him to remove a post trashing the judge's law clerk on social media. Earlier in the day, reports NBC News, Judge Arthur Engeron was livid when he revealed Trump failed to comply with the order and raised the possibility of putting Trump in prison. Imagine that. Engeron said Trump had posted on his social media account, quote, an untrue and disparaging post about my clerk and that he, quote, ordered him to remove the post immediately and he did take it down. Despite this order, last night I learned the offending post was never removed from a website. This is a blatant violation of the gag order. I made it clear that failure to comply will result in serious sanctions. This is a former president, folks, and this is what what judges are having to do. Continuing, quote, incendiary untruths can and have led to serious physical harm. I will now allow the defendant to explain why this should not end up with serious sanctions or I could possibly imprison him. A former president of the United States is being threatened by a judge with being thrown in jail. That is not normal. That is not a typical thing. You know, former presidents tend to get involved in writing books or building houses or raising money for nonprofit initiatives or partnering with other former presidents to bridge a political divide. Trump's up to multiple criminal trials, civil trials and being threatened with jail by a judge. Um, In response, Trump's attorney, Chris Keyes, said, Based on my understanding, this was truly inadvertent. The argument that Trump's lawyer is making is that the post was taken down from one site, but not another. And it was merely an oversight. And that's sort of it. Um, 
I can only imagine the chaos and insanity that will afflict the average Trumpist if Donald Trump is indeed thrown in jail for violating these gag orders. I also continue to struggle with what the logistics are. Does Secret Service move into Trump's jail cell for him? I, I with him. I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all really, really unprecedented uh, stuff that would have to get figured out for the first time. If there's anything we've learned so far, it's that Judge Arthur Engeron really doesn't seem to care about the optics with MAGA when he makes these decisions in his court. He seems sort of like the type of guy to just do whatever he thinks is right based on what the law says. It's refreshing. I like that. I'd rather judges do that than consider everything that is going to be said by Don Jr. on Rumble uh, when he makes decisions. But hopefully Trump's lawyers are telling him you've got to take this seriously. You've got to ease up. It really couldn't happen to a nicer guy if Trump ended up imprisoned. Uh, we now have an incredible 180 that is obviously just lies. I told you very late last week that Trump's former lawyer, Sidney Powell, has pleaded guilty in the Georgia criminal case against her. She may end up testifying against Donald Trump. We'll talk about that later. But now Trump is scrambling to say, oh, she was never my lawyer. Sidney, who this is always the move. It's always pretty. Oh, uh, I think what was that like an intern or something? I don't know. I don't really remember who that was. It was sort of like they got coffee. I'm not really sure. Trump announced Sidney Powell joined his legal team in 2020 and now claims she was, quote, never his lawyer, never his lawyer. We have the evidence. OK, so let's go to what Trump is now saying. Trump posted to Truth Social. Truth Central. Quote, Sidney Powell was one of millions and millions of people who thought and in ever increasing numbers still think correctly that the 2020 presidential election was rigged and Stalin and our country is being absolutely destroyed because of it. Despite the fake news reports to the contrary and without even reaching out to ask the Trump campaign, Ms. Powell was not my attorney and never was. In fact, she would have been conflicted. Ms. Powell did a valiant job of representing a very unfairly treated and governmentally abused General Mike Flynn, but to no avail. His prosecution, despite the facts, was ruthless. He was an innocent man, much like many other innocent people persecuted by this now fascist government of ours. And I was honored to give him a full pardon. So Trump is insisting, no, 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 never was was never my lawyer. Absolutely not my lawyer. The problem is that this is not what Donald Trump previously posted, including to Twitter. Trump posting just after the 2020 election. I look forward to Mayor Giuliani spearheading the legal effort to defend our right to free and fair elections. Rudy Giuliani, Joseph DeGeneva, Victoria Tensing, Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, a truly great team added to our other wonderful lawyers and representatives. Now, this may be Trump going on a technicality. Uh, Sidney Powell was not Trump's personal lawyer in the way that Michael Cohen was representing Trump 
as an individual with hush money payments to porn stars and this sort of thing. But she was announced multiple times, including by Rudy Giuliani, as a lawyer representing the Trump campaign in these legal matters. As much as Rudy was Trump's lawyer, the way it was presented, Sidney Powell was Trump's lawyer for the Trump campaign. Here's Rudy at the infamous face melting event. I think that's what this is from. Here's Rudy talking about Sidney Powell. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, this is um, representative of our legal team. We're representing uh, President Trump and we're representing the Trump campaign. Uh, when I finish, uh, Sydney. You heard that, right? We are representing President Trump and we are representing the Trump campaign. Powell and then, and then Jenner Ellis will follow me and we will present in brief the evidence that we've collected over the last, I guess it is two weeks. Right. Also, uh, Joseph Jennifer and Victoria Tenziger here with me. There are a lot more lawyers working on this, but we're the, I guess we're the, we're the senior lawyers. <laughs> and Boris Epstein. All right. So anyway, there is there it is. And then again, Sidney Powell came up and spoke as a representative of Trump and the Trump legal team. What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela. Remember how insane this was? Cuba and likely China and the interference with our elections here in the United States. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion. These are the sorts of claims that got Fox News sued, by the way. Were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he <laughs> never lost an election. This sounded crazy at the time. We all watched it live. I was streaming live for that press conference. It sounded insane at the time. It sounds even more insane now that hundreds of millions in lawsuits have taken place. Billions, really. Um, now that Sidney Powell has been disbarred everywhere and has pleaded guilty. But the idea now that Trump is telling us she was never part of my legal team. No, no, no. She represented Michael Flynn. When you look at her on this stage alongside Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and everybody else, when you look at Trump's own tweets in which he said uh, she is part of the legal team, it's very hard to believe anything that Trump is now saying. Now, why is Trump lying about this? It's because multiple attorneys might testify against him. And we're going to talk later in the show about why your own lawyers testifying against you is potentially so damaging when multiple of your own lawyers, because Michael Cohen is testifying tomorrow against Donald Trump. We'll talk about that. When multiple of your own lawyers are testifying against you. One of the few things you can try to do is claim they weren't really my lawyers. Unfortunately, we have audiovisual recording means at this point in 2023, and so it's hard to make that claim. But after the break, we will talk about why is it that when a former lawyer testifies against you, it's potentially so damaging to the defendant and so impactful to the jury. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. We are now more than halfway to two million subscribers from one point nine. We're beyond one point nine five. We're closing in. Let's make it happen, my friends. If you or a parent are starting to lose your hearing, you're not alone. 
about 48 million Americans have some hearing loss and only about 20 percent of those who would benefit from a hearing aid actually use one. Our sponsor, MD Hearing, makes FDA registered rechargeable hearing aids that cost just a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost. MD Hearing's new Neo model costs less than 10 percent what you'll pay for traditional marked up hearing aids. I have a close family friend who's been using MD Hearing for a long time now. I ran into her the other day having a great experience with MD Hearing. She loves how MD Hearing has audiologists on staff to help her calibrate the device. She says it works better than anything she's ever used. MD Hearing was founded by an ENT surgeon who saw that many of his patients needed hearing aids, could not afford them. And so his mission was to develop a quality hearing aid that anyone could afford. MD Hearing offers a 45 day risk free trial with a 100 percent money back guarantee. You can buy with confidence. And if you're still on the fence about MD Hearing, they were just selected to be the hearing aid supplier for top Medicare Advantage plans. It's just a brand you can trust. Go to MDHearing.com and use the code Pacman to get a pair for just two ninety seven. That's MDHearing.com. Use code Pacman to get your pair of hearing aids for just two ninety seven. The info is in the podcast notes. Stop letting government and streaming sites control what you can and can't access online. The solution is using a VPN. Our sponsor, Private Internet Access, is the only VPN that's proven multiple times in court that they are not logging your Internet activity. Something else that makes private Internet access unique is usability. It is lightning fast for streaming and for downloads. You won't have the lags you get with many other VPNs. Private Internet access also works with all major movie and TV streaming platforms, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. You can change your country to access content not normally available in your country. Super useful for certain sporting events, awesome BBC content only available to people in the UK. Private Internet access lets you use IP addresses from 84 different countries and all 50 US states. You can use private Internet access on unlimited devices with just a single account. They also have a 30 day money back guarantee and they're giving you 83 percent off with my discount. You can subscribe for 203 a month and get four extra months for free. Go to piavpn.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. The failed former president, Donald Trump, may soon have multiple, multiple of his former lawyers testifying against him. Let's go through the list. First and foremost is Michael Cohen, friend of the David Pakman show. Michael Cohen is expected to testify tomorrow in Trump's civil trial in New York with Donald Trump sitting right in front of him because Trump is also expected in court tomorrow. This is going to be an absolute delight. CNN reports Michael Cohen plans to testify Tuesday at the Trump civil fraud trial in New York. Trump's ex attorney said with the former president expected to attend. Michael posted to threads. It appears that I will be reunited with my old client, Donald Trump, when I testify this Tuesday, October 24 at the New York State AG civil fraud trial. See you there. Trump is expected to attend the trial Tuesday and Wednesday. Cohen was scheduled to testify last week, but it was delayed over a medical issue.
This first and foremost is already very bad because in that case, Cohen is not also a defender. But then we go to Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro. Oh, something is wrong with this article. Hold on a second here. See if we can get it all fixed up. Uh, something went very wrong with this article. OK, in any case, it's uh, something about the formatting has gone bonkers. But uh, Kenneth Cheesebro has pled guilty in the Georgia case case tried tied to Trump. Cheesebro is the lawyer who authored some of those memos explaining how Republicans could send fake slates of electors back in uh, December and January of 2020 and 2021 to try to steal the presidential election from Joe Biden for Donald Trump. As we talked about before the break, Cheesebro is not the only one of Trump's lawyers to plead guilty in Georgia. Sidney Powell has also pleaded guilty in Georgia. Either of them potentially could testify against Donald Trump. When your own lawyers testify against you, it's potentially really, really bad. Three, four, five, six different ways in which you can consider that your lawyers testifying against you is bad. First and foremost, it's the super top level thing of when lawyers realize it would be better to plead guilty and take a plea rather than fight this. It shows that the case that has been built is strong enough that lawyers are saying, I don't want to fight this one. I don't want to go to court. Number one, that's a, a red flag for other defendants that this may not go particularly well for me. Number two, of course, your own former lawyers have potentially damaging knowledge about what went on. Your former lawyer probably has a deep understanding of the facts and circumstances of a case or what are the defenses that would likely be available to you, the strategy you plan to employ. And so their testimony, if indeed they testify against you, can provide direct insights about your state of mind, whether what you knew and when you knew it and whether efforts were deliberate or negligent or accidental. All of this can be detrimental to your defense. In this case, we're talking about Donald Trump's defense. And then number three, of course, in theory, juries are deciding cases just based on facts and matching the facts up to the law. But it is true that when you see a client's own former lawyers testifying against them, a member of the jury could be thinking to themselves, this is to me a sign of guilt. When this client's own lawyers bailed, pleaded guilty and are now testifying against them, that to me suggests that something is very wrong here. Now, strictly speaking, you could also spin it the other way and you could say, well, these lawyers are merely testifying against Trump to try to save themselves in exchange for more lenient punishment or whatever the case may be. Usually prosecutors would be very clear to document you are not actually getting a reduced sentence by pleading guilty because you have agreed to testify whether or not that's true and whether you can sort of massage the truth of that is another story. But many juries would see your own lawyer sitting up there on the stand and testifying against you uh, as yet another sign of your guilt. 
even if the attorney's testimony is purely factual, if it's not directly or overtly incriminating, the mere act of seeing a defendant's own former lawyers testify against them can be damaging to their case. So none of this is good for Trump. Assuming that the Michael Cohen testimony in the New York civil fraud trial happens tomorrow, we'll talk about it. We'll see what reactions there are. I'm sure it will be wildly, wildly triggering to Donald Trump. Uh, and certainly to that, uh, I am very much looking forward. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the Republican governor of Arkansas, a state that is not doing too well by any stretch of the imagination. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is bravely banning woke words. Wow, what a powerful thing. Take a look at this. Yahoo News reports via Huffington Post. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed an executive order banning woke and anti women words from state documents. Here is Sarah Huckabee Sanders herself gleefully announcing that they are banning certain words. What do you make of that? Huh? Take a listen. It's great to stand up here with some of the most influential and amazing women from across our state. We are all here to say, frankly, that we've had enough, really? enough trying to erase women and girls enough denying our biological differences from men and enough of the craziness that is taking over our country. I've had the honor of being both the first woman and the first mother to serve as the governor of Arkansas. Before that, I was the first mother and the only the third woman to serve as the White House press secretary. Mm. Because of that, I came into this role with a few pretty unique experiences among them is giving birth to three amazing kids. That experience underscored to me that a woman's perspective is important and fundamentally different from a man's. Nowadays, though, only conservatives seem to be making that point. On the <laughs> left, women have taken a back seat to political correctness. Really? It's why Senator Irving and Representative Barker had to pass the Fairness in Women's Sports Act to defend our girls across the state. They're using nonsense words to erase women and girls, and more importantly, to erase our voices and our experiences. Today, we're taking a stand against woke nonsense. What frankly started as a fad among a few grad students has seeped down into corporations, the healthcare industry, and increasingly state government. It's demeaning to women, and it needs to stop. In a moment, I'll sign an executive order banning a number of all sorts of ridiculous words from state <laughs> government documents. Bam. Those include words like pregnant people, laboring person, birth giver, and several other nonsense terms that have cropped up in recent years. Some on the left will accuse us of being nitpicky, that Arkansas should just lay down and accept the cultural revolution without complaint. Listen, it's not about being nitpicky. It's about the disaster that is Arkansas. And this is what's happening. Like, forget about the fact that she bought some $19,000 lectern and there's possible corruption and for, forget about that. That is also a distraction. Obviously, um, we can all recognize there is a difference between a biological woman and a trans woman. For example, if a trans woman goes to an OBGYN and says, I'm having period pain, around my period, the OBGYN would rightly say, oh, you don't have the biology that allows that to be a thing, right? So none of us are denying there is a difference 
in a medical context or whatever the case may be. The issue here is supposed small government conservatives are banning a list of words and they're doing it in a state that has the sixth highest poverty rate in the country and the third lowest median income in the country. Education is a disaster. Access to health care is a disaster. Crime is higher than average. Infrastructure is it's a disaster. This isn't an attack on the people of Arkansas. They've been led by bad leaders for a very long time. There are so many real problems to fix. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is banning a list of words. So in the book I'm working on in my forthcoming book, I have an entire actually there's numerous chapters that relate to this. There's a chapter on how we got to this point where the Republican Party has abandoned actually trying to win on policy and instead is trying to win on contrived social and cultural issues. For example, banning a list of words. This is I, I, I'm going to have to I'm constantly having to go back to chapters I think I'm done with and update them with new examples of things that are going on. This is the prototypical example of that. Our interest going forward is in a different chapter in my book, which is how do you defeat a party that isn't even running on policy? They're not even pretending to be about policy. They're about stuff like this and uh, trans women in sports and litter boxes in bathrooms and this sort of thing. A major topic, certainly. Uh, in the book and a major topic right now. And the practical interest obviously is we have an election coming up. Now we're a year and a week or so, a year and 10 days from this next major election of significant impact. And if Democrats and left wing candidates don't understand how you run against this stuff, then they're going to lose. And so that should be our priority, figuring out how do we take this nonsense, right? I am bravely banning the words from state documents which does nothing to help anybody. I mean, when was someone damaged in Arkansas by the word pregnant person? But did, when was anyone damaged by that? I looked. I wasn't able to find any even alleged instance of that damaging anybody. Um, figuring out how to defeat this, these people is the number one priority. So let's take a break. We will continue talking about this as we get closer to the election. And if you have ideas as to how you run against people who are running on this sort of contrived nonsense, certainly email in info at davidpackman.com. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert and it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous. And you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over 100 desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping and an industry leading 15 year warranty. 
my audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use the code Pacman for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Republican Senator Mitt Romney, now very close to retirement, really seems to just be saying what he thinks now. And we're going to review some of the things he said in a recent interview. Now, I get the criticism of Romney, which is great. He's willing to say what he believes now because he has nothing to run for. He's retiring. He's not running for reelection in the Senate. He has no plans to run for president. And quite frankly, he doesn't even really have a place in the Republican Party anymore. So there's really no risk to what he says. I'm with you. I'm with you. And yet it is still fascinating to hear that at least some of these Republicans are willing to say these things. And Romney, to his credit, has been saying some of these things all along, not as much as now, but he has a little bit more honesty than many of the other Republicans who we know were disgusted by MAGA, but have been willing to say nothing so far. Here is an interview with Mitt Romney, who plainly says, we're supposed to be about the Constitution. Trump doesn't care about the Constitution. How do you make sense of that? Here's Mitt Romney. You are quoted in the book as saying a very large portion of my party really doesn't believe in the Constitution. How did you come to that damning conclusion? When former President Trump said we should set aside the Constitution and reappoint him as president, why you had Republicans cheer that. It's like, wait a second. This is the leader of our party saying we should put aside the Constitution. How can you believe you're following the Constitution if that's the case? You are quoted in the. It's very simple. I mean, it really is that simple. And so the the shock is how did more Republicans not come to the same conclusion? When you say set aside what we're supposed to do and do this other thing, you're ignoring the very pseudo sacred text. Ukraine claim to pray at the altar of, for lack of a better term. Romney continued during this interview and said that it's not just the constitutional problems when it comes to Trump. Trump has experienced a failure of character and it's affecting the country. And Mitt Romney is right. And he's attacked as a rhino for saying this stuff. I I don't think I've heard a single member of my uh, caucus, the Republicans in the Senate say, you know, Donald Trump is great. Aren't we lucky to have him as our leader? Donald Trump represents a failure of character, which is changing, I think, in many respects, the psyche of our nation and the heart of our nation. And that's something which takes a long time, if ever, uh, to repair. Now, he's, of course, right that it will take a very long time to repair and heal from the wounds of Trumpism. It will take even longer if Trump gets another four years. I can tell you that then the healing won't start until what, January of 2029. But the remarkable thing is the cognitive dissonance of the Trumpists who, you know, there, there's a bunch of Trumpists who never paid attention to politics until Trump. They were either not involved or disaffected or whatever. And then Trump came in and all of a sudden they engaged with politics. I'm not talking about them. The Trumpists that used to engage in voting and voted for Romney in 2012 and liked Romney in 2012, have on a dime turned on Romney. And the argument that they now make, the the, the claim that they now make is that Romney's simply a sore loser. What is Romney sore about? Romney's sore that he lost in 2012, but Trump won. So he's jealous. 
And he's a sore loser in the sense that Trump didn't ultimately pick him to be secretary of state or some other cabinet secretary, which reportedly he had been considering Romney for back in 2017, 2016, 2017. It's very easy to just write Romney off that way if that is the perspective that you want to take. It's much harder to write Romney off by arguing that he's wrong on any of the facts because he's right on everything that he is saying. Here's one more uh, clip. Mitt Romney correctly saying there's really no home for him on the Republican Party right in the Republican Party right now. You were once the party's nominee and now you're a pariah in the Republican Party. Yeah, that's that's saying it in a gentle way. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no question. I don't really have a home in my party. I come from a tradition of, you know, Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush and George W. Bush and John McCain. Those are the people that have shaped our party. Anti-Putin, anti-Russia, anti-authoritarians, anti-Kim Jong-un. Character counts. The character of our leaders makes a difference and it shapes the character of our country. That's the party I've come from. And I don't recognize that in the great majority of our party today. And uh, and that for me is very troubling. So let's talk about two Republicans that I think are, generally speaking, decent people, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mitt Romney. And let's talk about who they compare themselves to. Uh, Romney here talked about I'm more in the vein of, you know, George Herbert, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush. Uh, I think he said Reagan there um, uh, and and John McCain, et cetera. For me, that's further into republicanism, but they are still closer to sanity than where MAGA is. But I actually think that there's a better perspective, and that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, during a different interview, said, I, as a Republican, am identifying with the conservation efforts of Teddy Roosevelt. I'm identifying with um, uh, what was it? The uh, EPA under Nixon. And he he listed things that quite literally have no place in the Republican Party anymore. So if you say to me, who are some of the more reasonable voices right now in the Republican Party? Uh, they're in their 70s. OK, we're talking about Arnold and Mitt Romney to a great degree. Uh, but importantly, at this point, Arnold Schwarzenegger really is a Democrat. He's a center left Democrat. When you ask him, what are the things that made you a Republican? They are all things that Republicans would now denounce Romney, decent guy, but still aligning himself with a piece of the Republican Party that's certainly well to the right of me. Arnold also to my right but probably now a center left Democrat, if he's honest about it, although he continues to say I am a Republican. It's sort of a sad thing that to find the reasonable folks, you have to go to 70 plus year olds who are on the fringes of the party and already or soon to be in retirement. These aren't the only reasonable voices, but they're certainly some of the most prominent at this point in time. That's where we are. And meanwhile, when you look at what's happening with polling in the Republican primary, could not be more depressing. I want to talk about that next. Do not adjust your television. Do not double check whether this is a repeat, because once again, again and again and again and again, despite all of the troubles, despite all of the humiliations, Donald Trump's polling in the Republican primary has reached another new high. Donald Trump's polling, which is the purple line at the top of this chart, 
is now above 59 percent. You'll remember that Donald Trump's previous high was about 58. It is now 59. Trump now controls amid four criminal trials, multiple civil trials being found to be a civilly liable rapist and on and on and on, skipping the debates, character assassination of everyone around him who disagrees. He is now secured 59 percent of the Republican primary electorate, leaving 41 percent for everybody else to divvy up. DeSanctis is stuck between 12 and 13, which is where he's been dating back to late August. Nikki Haley has reached another new high. I will tell you that, but it is still just shy of 8%. If this continues, Nikki Haley will surpass DeSantis and she will be in second place. But will it matter if Trump has almost 60% of the vote? The Vivek Ramaswamy surge is very much over. He's stuck at 5%. Pence is totally DOA. No one's paying attention to him. He's at three and a half. Chris Christie stuck between two and three. Tim Scott stuck between one and two. Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson failing to get to even one percent. Trump is crushing these people. He could probably shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and voters would say, I'm sure it was self-defense. He's not going to be railroaded again by the justice system, is he? I support Trump regardless. This guy is dominating. And at this point, we are now beyond Labor Day. Remember, we were told we got to get beyond Labor Day before these numbers will matter. We are beyond two debates that Trump skipped. We'll have the third debate in a couple of weeks. And Trump is actually controlling more of that Republican electorate than ever. We then go and we take a look at what's happening in general election polling. And there are a couple of really interesting things here that I want to show you. The polling continues to suggest that if you add Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a general election independent candidate alongside Trump and Biden, that it is good for Biden. The degree to which it's good varies. I'll give you an example. There's a new Suffolk University USA Today poll. This is a good poll. When it's Biden versus Trump, they're tied at 41. Now, remember, that leaves 18 percent of the electorate still unsure. But when it's Biden, Trump, it's 41, 41. You add Kennedy. Kennedy gets 14 percent and it pushes Biden to a one point lead against Donald Trump. Not a miracle of any kind, but it is a difference. And then when you add Cornell West, as suspected, Cornell West helps Donald Trump. I've been telling you this for weeks, if not months. Cornell West, the best he can hope to do is to get Donald Trump elected. It's a disaster. On the other hand, Robert F. Kennedy Jr does seem to actually be helping Joe Biden, which is super interesting. When you include both of them, it's Biden and Trump 37, 37, Kennedy 13, Cornell West four. This could be a completely insane general election. Now, one other element of this I wanted to look at with you, just because I still get people who write to me and say, David, Bernie would crush all of them. There is an Emerson College poll which looked at some other hypothetical matchups. One of those matchups was Bernie versus Trump and Trump wins by eight in a Bernie versus Trump matchup. They also did Biden versus Romney and in Biden versus Romney, Biden beats Romney by 10. Now, it is important to consider that when they aren't even talking about running, 
they're not going to get the support in polling, even if it's an imaginary that they would. If Bernie said, I am running, my guess is he does better than 40 percent here. If Romney were to say, I am running, my guess is Romney does better than 30 percent here. But it is still interesting that there are people still emailing me convinced that if indeed that if indeed Bernie Sanders ran against Donald Trump, he would easily win. I still just am not seeing any evidence of that. You can make hypotheticals. You can say, well, everything would be different. It would change in this way or that way. But I've not seen any evidence that Romney would defeat Biden uh, if that's the direction they went, nor that Bernie would defeat Trump. If you have such evidence, uh, please send it to me because I would love to review it. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's someone who's just really angry with me. They don't like what I'm doing. They don't think I'm a good person. And I'm wondering why they even watch. David, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Dude, uh, yeah, Biden's doing a really good job doing what exactly? Uh, letting Americans die and be homeless? We have the most homeless population in ever. You're a fucking piece of shit. And I really hope uh, you get it one day. Okay. Um, I don't know if they say. I hope you get it like as if I have an awakening or I hope I get it like someone gets me or something like that. <laughs> One of the things that I think is really important to remember is that these people don't know anything and we are much better served rather than reacting angrily to the personal attacks and the whatever. Consider those failures of character when people devolve into personal attacks and profanity. Consider it a, a defect of character, but not one you necessarily have to confront. And instead, Start asking questions. Tell me, how do you think the economy is doing? It's doing terrible. Oh, okay. Which metrics are you using to judge that as compared to when Donald Trump was president? And you will see that these claims crumble into nothing, probably devolving into even more ad hominems and personal attacks because that's all that they have. But I want to win. That's what I care about. I don't care about uh, uh, looking good in a debate against someone who doesn't know anything. I want to win. And so to the extent that we engage with folks like that, I suggest applying empathy, a gentle Socratic method of questioning and seeing if they can come to their own conclusion that they actually don't have a clue what it is that they are talking about. That's my approach. We have a great bonus show for you today uh, in Oklahoma. The attorney general is suing to try to stop the first public religious school in the United States. That is a worthy lawsuit, which we will discuss. We will talk about the results from yesterday in my birth country of Argentina in the presidential race. It is wild what is going on. And Mitch McConnell has now come out and said that he is completely recovered after those freezing incidents, except he's not telling us what he's recovered from. It's really weird. And we will talk about all of it when producer Pat joins me on the bonus show. Don't miss the bonus show. It, it's it's really worth seeing oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Yeah, come come see the bonus show. We'll make a little money and then we will talk politics. We'll talk news. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. I will see you then. But fear not. We'll be back tomorrow as well.